0: What's good,
1: y'all? Welcome to In the Deep, a deep league-focused fantasy baseball podcast, part of the Pitcher List Podcast Network. My name is Jordan White, and I'm joined here once again, finally, after it feels like forever, by my good friend and co-host Christopher Schwabzi Weber. Schwabzi, how you doing, stranger?
2: How weird is... Oh, hi, friends! My God, I almost forgot to do the greeting. Oh, did been you just so forget long. I was here?
1: Yeah, whatever. What's
2: man. good, y'all? No, um, I swear I will end. So you. don't steal. My so lines. weird. So weird to to not only have both of us back, but to have you not sounding like Barry White anymore. That was a very very sexy week last week from you. I mean, when is it not a sexy week for me? That's the real question. Yeah, but this was like extra unnecessarily sexy. Mm, Yeah, baby.
1: Real sexy. No, I can I can get down there when I feel like it. It's just that usually I talk like a like 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 a like a nerd like I sound right now, pretty much.
2: I don't know. More, more nasally than, than an emo band in the uh, 2000s? Midwest emo, specifically. Because I am a Wisconsin
1: boy, but yes. Um, we,
2: we, should, we should change the intro to just some like noodly guitar playing.
1: We should change the intro to, actually, you know what I would really like? We
2: should change it to Hook by Blues Traveler. I love that <laughs> song. I unironically love Hook. I think all, I think, I think just like, I think most white people do. That's I, and I, I am very white people. It's like that plus like living on a prayer, like the top two, I think. Oh, what about, what about Mr. Brightside?
1: Oh, actually. Yeah, that's true. I mean, we have, we have video that I will not post anywhere here, um, uh, of me singing Mr. Brightside. Yeah. It's It's I have
2: it confirmed on video that you cannot play Mr. Brightside without uh, jordan doing spontaneous karaoke it is, well it, i mean it was planned karaoke but mr brightside was played because you obviously can't prove that mm,
1: yeah actually you're you're right i can't i don't actually <laughs> have proof of that but uh anyways now it's just uh, i it's it's nice to be back with you here buddy nice i, feel I know like a, I, I missed this getting 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 backed into the swing of things here if it's a little bit uh hectic and has some chaotic energy uh it's because it's uh what time is it it is, it is two 30 in the morning where Shwebzy is right now. And it's one in the morning where I am because, uh, as per usual, we do not record on time or prep as much as we should, uh, beforehand. So we're just rage writing notes on our players that we're going to talk about. And I think, uh, some of that chaotic energy is going to come through just a little teaser, uh, with my second deep dive that I'm going to do later. And, uh, maybe, maybe it's the coffee that I drank earlier talking, but I'm feeling, uh, feeling pretty crazy
2: but that second one your your second player is pure the madman has done it energy yeah so we'll see how that goes i'm probably going to get lambasted for that one
1: and maybe a little bit deservedly but there's your little teaser for the end of the episode uh before we actually get started on any of the deep dives here let's do the usual thing here at the top of the episode and plug our social media pages if you want to see us tweet about like honestly not that much baseball for me sometimes i apologize for that but uh about really anything you can follow uh Myself individually at Bunt Singles, Schwebzi at Schwebzi, that's S H W E B S I. And then if you want to follow our podcast account, our shared account, that's going to be at in the deep PL. We have a uh, mailbag link, uh, a Google form that you can submit mailbag questions to in the pinned tweet in our shared profile. Again, that's at in the deep PL if you ever want to submit any mailbag questions. But uh, with that, uh, Schwebzi, there was something else you wanted to bring up, right? Before we started actually going into the deep dives.
2: Yeah, uh, there, was a, there was a tweet that I saw a couple days ago from Rob Silver, a you know, a very prominent member of the fantasy baseball community, great analyst. Uh, he tweeted out that possibly the biggest mistake I see people make in fantasy baseball is looking at recent performance, like the last week, the last two weeks, the last month, and assume it's predictive of what's about to happen. It can be interesting to look at. Lots of things are interesting but it's not helping you. Which, and, I mean, it feels like an attack on us personally. No, I'm just kidding. It doesn't like, we definitely like we, all we do, there's something, there's is,
1: something, I mean, we quote a ton of like recent performance stuff as like, like, Hey, it's of note. This person has been pretty good recently. And then we try to like point that out and say, like, usually we provide like a yes or no, this is going to be a good or bad thing. Right. Like, or there's something interesting here beyond just like the surface level stats.
2: Right. And it's like, I I know we're, we're not much of like, we're not really a fantasy theory podcast where we're more of Correct. a, you know, we talk about specific players. But I did, mm-hmm. I did think this was interesting because it, it is a tool that we utilize. But, you know, I, I do think it, it is bad. It is bad analysis to look at the last two weeks and go, yes, he was good and he will continue to be good. Like, that's my starting point, you know? Correct. It's like you, you. Yes. That's how guys stick out, and once a guy stick at sticks out, you dig in. You try to figure out why they've been good for the past two weeks, and then from there, like try to figure out is this sustainable? Are they going to collapse? And like, I, I love I, I I because otherwise you're just looking at bad players or players who have done badly, mm-hmm. and I, I the the pool of bad players is a lot bigger. It's hard to uh, it's hard to pick those guys out.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's it's this is always for us like we look at recent performances and a lot of it is because I mean, even us like we have this podcast, we don't get to watch every single game and it's hard for us to keep tabs on every single player's performances throughout like the week when we're trying to figure out like what we're going to talk about on the podcast. So it's good for us to have that to be the kind of genesis or like the uh the spark that pushes us to deep dive on a player and see if something is legit or not and kind of like figure out if the underlying data does support that or not um it's a good starting point right like it's a good starting point it's not the end all be all you shouldn't just like follow it and it shouldn't just be gospel uh
2: but yeah i don't know i think i think i think
1: it was a good and poignant tweet honestly
2: yeah i don't i don't want this to come off like hey we use that and and like i feel the need to defend us it's like i i more I'm, i want to talk about our strategy and like how we how we use that tool because it is just a tool in the tool belt of an, a- an analyst, you know, like trying to, uh, trying to use arbitrary endpoints to try to like yes. pick out, pick out the guys who are on a tear. There was actually a, it, I, I honestly, I think we should probably like link to that tweet in the notes or, uh, or from the Twitter account, because there was a lot of interesting discussion there from, you know, notable guys such as like Alex Chamberlain. Mm hmm and uh like about the guys who are a lot smarter than us tweeting things like oh yeah the the hot hand in baseball has been proven to exist and like linking to actual you know research done on that topic there's a lot of good stuff in there uh if you happened to see the tweet or want to search it uh i think we should try to uh, link that yeah i can link that definitely in the show notes and throw that in there uh
1: i will say i think that you said that people that are much smarter than us I think that Alex Chamberlain might be the only person I can think of in the fantasy baseball community that is more self-deprecating than we are. <laughs> uh, I'll take that bet. Like all the time. I
2: mean, it, this is, That was not a challenge. Please don't take that as a challenge. But um, you haven't seen how much I can hate myself, Jordan.
1: That's awkward. I don't like that. <laughs> I don't like that. That's not a good. That's not good energy to put into the podcast. I don't. Where am, I supposed, where am I supposed to go with that, Webzi? Do you want to talk about Jaron Duran? <laughs> like, <laughs> I was just how do, trying to think. How, do, of, I, how I, do I skate? How do I skate past this very awkward segue? Uh, I, I,
2: I was just trying to think of like how to how to work a Bayan impression into here. Like you were you were born. I was born in the self deprecation.
3: You thought the self deprecation
2: was your ally. You merely adopted self hatred. I was born in it yeah um i i, I definitely am, am exaggerating that but yeah why don't we uh why don't we get into our deep dives
1: let's let's do this uh so we are going to have you start off by talking here about jaron who barely squeaks in under our 20 percent threshold here at 19 percent
2: roster ship uh take it away yeah and i'm very glad he did squeak in because this is by like i was very excited to talk about jaron duran you probably remember that Last year, he was one of the most anticipated call-ups, and then unfortunately, he scuffled a bit, mm-hmm. and the fantasy baseball world collectively kind of forgot about him, or like put him on put him on a shelf and said, "Yeah, I wouldn't we'll get, say maybe forgot." We'll I
1: think I think they actively chose to ignore him.
2: Right. It's like, Which, oh yeah, yeah, he had a bad he had a bad hundred plate appearances. Let's forget about him, or exactly. like you know, like, he's he's dead to me now. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, it turns out that a prospect scuffling in his first season isn't a death sentence, and the kid is actually pretty good. And as a baseball analyst, I am contractually obligated by the fantasy baseball illuminati to mention that the same thing happened to Mike Trout, and uh, because you have to say that every time a prospect has a bad cup of coffee and then goes on to be good. Mm-hmm. Uh, the too long didn't read version of this section is literally just that Duran is doing almost literally everything better than last year. Like he was, he was just straight up bad last year he yeah, it was not, not a high play, bar to clear. Right, he did not play like himself. But I I don't think that we should be surprised that he's wildly outperforming last year because like he was a fantastic prospect. Mm-hmm. Like and the reason that people pushed him off to the side it was a whole 112 plate appearances, which is basically nothing. At the same time though, uh this year this great performance that we've seen this year is only 62 plate appearances, which is, again, basically nothing. So why am I personally giving more weight to this, this small sample size versus that small sample size? For me, it's largely because, like, this is who he was supposed to be. His carrying tool in the minors was his speed, which he paired with a good enough bat and kind of good enough tools across the board to, to get on base and wreak havoc once he was there. Joe Drake of Prospects Live called him like more of a sum-of-the-parts kind of guy with true double-plus speed, and he has the talent to be an impact bat at the top of the order with a floor of a speed-only fourth outfielder. Obviously, that latter bit is not what we want, and it's kind of what we saw last year. What dialed the hype up to 11 last year was a swing change in 2021, and I know you were all over this last year, Jordan. The yeah. in the, uh, in I was, the I off season,
1: incredibly pleased with this. Yeah, I talked about it in our preseason episode, I think.
2: Yeah, and that swing change led to a monster 2021, where in about 300 minor league plate appearances, he put up 16 home runs and 16 stolen bases, mm-hmm. which you know, if you extrapolate over 600, is a nice little 30-30 season. But you know, then of course he struggled when he hit the majors. If you look at last year's struggles and the way that he struggled, it was very much a worst-case scenario. Like I said, he had middling tools across the board. He struck out 35.7% of the time after never reaching 25% in the minors, and frankly, he just looked overmatched. He he whiffed way too much against every pitch type. But then this year, it's been the complete opposite. He's cut his overall whiff rate from 35% to 23%, which is huge, mm-hmm. and his contract his contact contact rate has correspondingly left uh, leapt up from seventy six percent to eighty four percent. That's like significantly below league average to a good bit above league average. He's chasing less, swinging at meatballs more, which is something I always like to see. It means he's seeing the ball well and noticing when it's you know right down the middle. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in general, he just seems way more comfortable at the plate. So from a power perspective, we talked about that swing change. I'm not sure that Duran ever hits 20 home runs in a season. Like, I'd, I, I think I'd be surprised by that, you know, um, unless we see some more development there. But he's already matched his barrel total from last year in like half the plate appearances. And he just he just doesn't need a ton of power to be a great fantasy asset. He's got four stolen bases in only 62 plate appearances. That's an easy 30 plus full season pace. His sky high 383 WOBA is supported by X stats that are basically, you know, identical to his actual stats across the board. I think like his WOBA, batting average, slugging are all like within like 10 points of his, you know, corresponding X stats. Nice. Yeah, you like that. Uh maybe even more importantly, for you know, for for our fantasy purposes. Duran looks completely locked in as the everyday leadoff hitter for Boston. Mm-hmm. And there is a potential complicating factor there because, uh, at some point, uh, Enrique Hernandez is going to come back, but we're not really, we don't have a firm date on that at this point. So, I mean, he's, you know, Duran is safe for now, but I, I think it's pretty safe to say that the Red Sox aren't going to send Duran to the, shadow, to the shadow realm, when Hernandez comes back, it's way more likely for, like, I don't know, Rob Snyder or Franchi Cordero to lose playing time, because, you know, the Red Sox just have a lot less invested in them. Uh, this is a really, really aggressive comp, but, like, if everything clicks for Duran, I feel like his 99th percentile outcome is like a Starling Marte kind of player, Like Mm -hmm. 280, 290, bunch of steals, double digit home runs. Like, if everything clicks, I think he can be that. And obviously, I'm willing to take a flyer on that kind of upside. I feel like offensively, Harrison Bader is a pretty likely outcome here. I could see that. Yeah. It's like kind of like Charlie Marte, but a little bit worse all across the board. Yeah. But, and I mean, you guys know how much I love Harrison Bader. If you're, a, if you're a long-time listener.
1: Yeah, for like Deep League, for sure. I mean, we've, how many times have we talked about Harrison Bader on this podcast?
2: Literally constantly. Yeah. Can, just can't forget those locks, man. But like we said, 19% rostered already, so you're probably either already too late or you'll need to move quickly because he is not going to last long on waiver wires. And he actually hit his first home run of the year uh, Friday yesterday slash today depending on when you listen to this and when we're recording this and blah 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 so uh time's, yeah I time's think, fake anyways it doesn't matter time's not real it's just the construct created by man but absolutely uh, he he had his first home run and uh yeah that that is sure to uh make his roster numbers jump up a little bit Taking that do you know
1: where the was that home run hit at home or away and then where was it hit do we have an idea of that was like a wall scraper? Like, where does it rank on the Wood It Dong scale? I can, I can For those that don't that know, Wood it, would it, would it, would it Dong uh, is an excellent, excellent Twitter account that you should follow if you're on Twitter. Um, super great to see uh, what balls that were hit for home runs in other parks. Uh, just comparing them to the other uh, MLB stadiums and if they would have been home runs there, and it'll give you, like, out of 30 stadiums, how many parks it would be a home run in
2: um i actually don't see it oh dang well it's kind of sad but uh you know why i don't see it is because i'm looking at the uh the chicago cubs hitters you absolute fool absolute fool this was a uh just looking at this spray chart on baseball savant it looks like it was about a 415 to 420 foot shot to dead center oh so that's gotten most most stadiums very nice yeah yeah would it dung probably uh
1: Everywhere except for uh, Fenway, basically, it feels like.
2: Yeah, yeah, ironically.
1: With that, with that deep uh, chasm in pretty much dead center. But yeah, that's great. Um, yeah, super encouraging. If you can start hitting for any like modicum of power, like you said, if you can get to that double-digit total, that makes him much more attractive. And I do agree. I think that's a really good comp, the uh, Starling Marte comp. Someone who can hit like double-digit homers and contribute a ton of steals.
2: The very specific yeah. profile like, that I think is super valuable in fantasy. I think that's like I I, I, like 99th percentile yeah 100 percent. like if he reaches that I'd be a little bit surprised but I think it's I think it's you know in the realm of possibilities
1: for sure yeah
2: no I love uh love Duran obviously like I talked about him at length last year
1: and it didn't pan out how many analysts including myself wanted it to but it's encouraging to see that he is uh Rebounding well in his second uh, extended stay in the majors, so I hope that he. Do- I mean, he's been very, very good. I would be surprised if he loses playing time once to, uh Enrique Hernandez comes back, and like you said, I don't think like Ref snyder is going to challenge him at all. So definitely a good call out here. And I'm kind of, I, 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 I can't even really actually say that I'm su- that surprised that he doesn't uh, have a higher roster ship, even with his very, very short stint. But uh I think he'll probably, like you said, it. It's going to go from nineteen percent to, I would say he's going to be an easy graduate next week.
2: Yeah, yeah, which is why I'm I'm glad that we got to talk about him this week because I do not think he's going to last long. Last
1: chance. And uh, as
2: per usual, you you were ahead of me on this by by a whole year. I'm 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 only now catching up to your to your uh your picks. Biggest a year later. complaint about me always too early. Uh, let me talk about Evan Longoria real quick. <laughs> so.
1: <laughs> God, please don't.
2: I had a it, nickel. Pl- pl-
1: please don't. Please don't uh, clip that out of context. Thank you very much. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to talk about Evan Longoria real quick here, too. So, Evan Longoria is someone that I have covered a couple different times. Schwebzyn and I both, I think, have covered a couple different times uh, over the course of this podcast existing. And I feel like we sound like broken records talking about Giants players. Again. We, we love our Giants. Here we do. Oh, uh, and I, I, know. I do
2: need to. I'm sorry oh. to
1: interrupt. I do need to bring up one thing. This man, I have I have not done an episode with this man in three weeks, and no, it wasn't because I had code. That was a lie. He's just a jerk and interrupts me.
2: Uh, one of my uh my new colleagues at Pitcherlist. Uh, i i i'm the I'm the head moderator over at Pitcherlist. For those who are unaware, our our Discord server, and one of my new colleagues there uh justin havelock gave me a suggestion for uh you know we, we've ah, talked to
1: yes 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 yes
2: yeah we we've talked about how like our our pet teams i guess are the mets diamondbacks brewers and giants this year and we were looking for an acronym to you know just describe those those four teams whenever we pick one uh you know one of our one of our pet teams one of our players from those Correct. teams and uh we got we got some suggestions I don't know how, I don't know if these are suitable for regular use here, but. Oh boy. Uh, I mean, one that I, the one that I liked particularly was my burly Dinger guys. That's very good. I do like that one a lot. Which is good because yeah. it's always hitters. It's a, it's pretty much always hitters from these it, it, teams. And, and we love our BV boys too.
1: So that, yeah. that totally yeah. makes sense.
2: Um, I actually, while, while you were gone, while you were under the weather, um, I, I don't know if I told you this one of my one of oh, my no. best friends told me uh, to use the evil empire sorry not not the uh, not the evil empire the republic for these four teams because uh, yes. all of these cities have been pitted against the Yankees in the World Series at some point who are it's you know known good. as the evil empire is very to, good to a lot of people I dig this
1: I like that we're getting such good suggestions. I was, I was surprised that we got as much feedback on that as we did.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, anything more than zero is a surprise to me. It's so great. It's it's,
1: I I mean, I know that we've done this for what 50, this episode 56, right? Yeah. Um, it still blows my mind that people listen to us. Like not saying that. I, and that's not even me being like self deprecating. It's still just like a weird concept that people choose to take time out of the day to listen to us. And that's very, it's very, uh, hum, it's, it is, it is, it is flattering and also
2: very humbling and like very nice. And, and thank you. Thank you all because yes. I don't know, I don't know why, I don't know why you would do this to yourself. you all the real MVPs, truly.
1: Putting yourself through this
2: every single week.
1: Specifically That's funny. You, when... Oh, speci- sorry, obligatory. Uh, specifically you, Yancy, because I know you're listening to this right now. Um,
2: <laughs> But you know, wh- like it's like whenever whenever anybody subs to my Twitch chat or anything, but like literally without fail, it's like congratulations on the worst five dollars you've ever spent. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why. Thankfully, you guys get to listen to this for free. I was gonna say
1: fortunately, they, they're not paying for this. This is completely free for them, which is very nice. Uh, but yeah. All right. Um, now, Evan Longoria, Evan Longoria, since shwebs you so rudely, but also kind of like appropriately interrupted me. Uh We sound like broken records talking about Giants players all the time. That's too bad. You're gonna have to deal with it again. Um, he's still fantastic at the plate, and I feel like at six percent roster ship, he's pretty criminally under rostered based on his recent performances after his last brief injury stint. Yes, he still has the injury issues. That's the biggest well, one of the biggest barriers for him, obviously. Uh, being an older player, um he he's getting injured a decent amount and that's the hard part is obviously you can't really let that roster slot be taken up by someone who's going to be hurt a whole bunch but when he is healthy he is so 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 good um the encouraging part about his most recent performances is that he's hitting the ball exceptionally hard he's got a 50% hard hit rate since he uh came back from his last short little injury stint that brings his season long hard hit rate to 43.5 on the year and he's hit safely now in 8 of his last 9 games that he's played in and you love to see that um so the biggest hurdle like we've talked about previously uh with a lot of giants players is the fact that they the giants just like love to play platoon split matchups and that doesn't do us a ton of good if you're playing a weekly league so it's like usually a better move to roster these giants hitters in daily moves leagues luckily for us though is that when Longoria is healthy, he's really just largely immune to this sort of like fickle handling by Gabe Kappler and the management over in San Francisco. Although he did sit tonight against Lancelin uh, and Lancelin shoved. Um, so that's kind of disappointing. But another excellent part I will say about Longoria's profile, which is a development over the past couple of years that's really cool to see and enticing for folks that are playing in on base percentage leagues is that he's putting up an 11.9% walk rate this year which is right in line with last year's rate of 12%. Like he is walking for the first time since I think 2013 when he was with the Rays. This is the first time he's put up double digit walk rates with consistency. That I mean that it, it's really really excellent to see uh and getting on base like that is always going to be a positive. Um It's really interesting because basically I mean Longoria was with the Giants prior to Gabe Kapler becoming the head coach, becoming the manager. Um, the first year that they were together as a uh, manager and player, Longoria's walk rate was just 5.3%, and he had not put up, like I said, a walk rate north of 10% since 2013. I haven't seen any articles covering this specifically. I remember seeing like an article about Buster Posey making a stance change later in his career, obviously, after like however many years in the league. Um, But it feels like between Posey doing that, uh, Longoria seeing a resurgence, obviously, in his uh, plate approach and like Brandon Crawford in the year that he had last year. Brandon Belt even has been fantastic over the past couple of years. It seems like San Francisco has this really good knack for helping hitters, especially older ones, reinvent their stances and swings to find more success later in their careers like this.
2: Yeah, um, if I were if I were a veteran, I would simply start walking at twice my career rate and also start hitting the ball way harder more often. It's wild, right? And like I like if they if they ever like write a book on this era of the Giants, I will devour that because this it's really so interesting. Very much so.
1: Yeah, it's been great.
2: Um So, I will
1: say though Brandon Crawford not as good as he was last year at the plate has been pretty pretty poor in comparison to 2021. Um, Obviously, uh, Buster Posey, we can't really talk about him because he's off sipping margaritas somewhere and enjoying his retirement, probably, I assume. Um, But really, it, it's just clear to me here that there is some organizational philosophy being applied when it comes to plate approach. Uh, And while correlation isn't necessarily causation, it's also worth noting that in tandem with the better walk rates, Longoria's barrel rates have continuously climbed since Kapler took over as the Giants manager, and he would rank in the top 20 in the barrels per plate appearance if he qualified this year. Uh, obviously, he does, does not qualify yet because he has been hurt a decent amount, but uh, like you look at his barrel rates, 2020, the first year that Kapler was manager, it was 11.5. Last year, 13.4. This year, so far, limited action, 15.3% barrel rate. Uh, fantastic you really love to see it. Um overall I think that the Giants have a way with helping these hitters fight father time and I think Longoria is probably the greatest beneficiary and most consistent beneficiary. Uh, I don't know if he's necessarily 12 team viable obviously, but he should be on most 15 team rosters when he is healthy.
2: I love it. You know I'm a fan of, uh, of what they do over there and like the the miracles they seem to work with their veterans.
1: It's fantastic so fun to watch. I love how, like I've said this and I say this phrase every single time I talk about the Giants. They just are able to squeeze as much juice as possible out of the folks on their roster because they just play the platoon splits really well. Uh, swing path matchups with different pitchers and things like that. Like they have that all down as well. It's it's just very impressive to see how
2: well they can eke value out of that entire squad. And hey, on a related note, you know who's back? Lamont Wade Jr., baby. Lamont Wade Jr. Late night, Lamont, my boy. Yeah. He I'm is very uh, excited about that. Came he came off the injured list 2 days ago and he has hit lead off both days. Death Kiss.
1: No notes. No, <laughs> notes. No, it's just more Lamont and Wade love. Uh. All right, we're going to take a quick ad break here and we'll be right back with our other two deep dives for this episode. All right, and we are back. Shwebzy Let's have you talk about someone that Yancey, while we were hanging out and doing notes before this episode, slightly tried to convince you not to talk about, but you said, to heck with Yancey. Yeah. We talked yeah. about him anyways. Harold I Ramirez. Had my,
2: I, I had, I was very ready to talk about Harold Ramirez. I had it written down in the notes. And then in our weekly chat with Yancey, we, we tend to talk whenever we're preparing our notes. I asked him because he's our, our, you know, resident friend of the podcast, resident Tampa Bay Rays fan. I asked, mm-hmm. uh, you know, what do you, what do you think about Harold Ramirez? Should I talk about him? And Yancey, very, very good at fantasy baseball, very intelligent person, laid out some very good, very valid reasons why I should not talk about Harold Ramirez. And then I said, I'm going to do it anyway.
3: Hey.
2: Because of who I am as a person. Uh, Look, I didn't get here by listening to people who are smarter than me. Ask Jordan. Jordan is much smarter than me. And I literally got here by pretending to
1: to be smarter than the people that are smarter than him.
2: I I got here by Jordan putting me in his backpack and carrying me every step of the way. It's 100% untrue. I got here by spouting hot, unresearched takes and by only looking at the pretty red and blue colors on Baseball Savant. i know baseball savant
1: sliders go burr <laughs> that's the extent of schwebzy's uh <laughs> no it's no it's not Schwebzi's very smart and uh does much
2: better deep dives than me your words uh i've definitely talked about harold ramirez on this podcast before and basically nothing has changed ramirez yeah. like it is who he is and will will never change uh Ramirez is from like that Yandy Diaz or Josh Naylor school of hitters where they hit the absolute heck out of the ball regularly and we're all just praying for a launch angle improvement to unlock their power potential. And that sort of player can go one of two ways. You can go the the Josh Naylor direction where that improvement actually happens and they start hitting the ball in the air or you get the Yandy Diaz direction where they just keep on doing what they're doing. And like the Rays acquiring Harold Ramirez seemed like one of those inevitable things because the Rays like love these players with incredibly niche, valuable skills that they either nurture into becoming more complete players or they just put them in the best position to succeed using the skills that they do possess. Now, I can't speak to what the Rays coaching staff has done with Harold Ramirez or what they've tried to work on with him, but it looks like we've got a Yandy Diaz situation and not a Josh Naylor situation. It's like the Rays liked their one Yandi Diaz so much that they decided to go and get another one. Harold has done basically zero of the things that I like to see in a power breakout, and he's actually gone backwards in some areas. Like He's, he's hitting the ball at a lower launch angle than ever before. So is this a bad thing? Uh, yes and no. Like yes it's bad in the sense that we just may never see a true bra- power breakout from him and that's unfortunate because he'll you know he'll never quite hit the ceiling that his tools suggest is there but no it's not bad because the tools that make that breakout so tantalizing are still there and they just present themselves in different ways that still make him a valuable player and it's a valuable player that is getting regular playing time for a good team in the Tampa Bay Rays Harold Ramirez is legitimately elite at not striking out, and he has elite top-end exit velos. So in theory, he has what it takes to hit the ball far and often, but that's just simply not something that his swing makes him capable of. And that's fine. He still has a 96th percentile expected batting average. He's fast. He hits in good lineup spots. And this is the kind of guy like that you can plug in when someone on your team is hurt, like, he's not someone you draft. He's a backup plan, but he's a good backup plan. Mm-hmm. You pl- you'll plug him in. He'll anchor your batting average. He'll provide a home run here, a stolen base there. You know, uh, not a ton of counting stats, but, but he will get you counting stats. And you'll probably drop, you know, people in your league or you will drop him and add him several more times throughout the year. And no one will be mad about it. They'll just be like, yeah, Harold Ramirez is my worst outfielder. He's fine, but whatever. I'll drop him for the new, the new flavor of the week. I like guys like this because I know what the floor is. And the floor isn't going to hurt me in like a fifth outfielder slot. And there's a slim chance that he does do what Josh Naylor did. And he goes bananas at some point and becomes truly valuable. It's really frustrating. It's, it's all right, not really frustrating, but it's a little bit frustrating that this combination of skills and opportunities doesn't result in a more desirable player because like with his contact and hard hit rates and being on a team as smart as the Rays it just it really feels like at like a really good player is like just out of our grasp but he's still fine and sometimes fine is okay for fantasy baseball over the last 30 days, Harold Ramirez has been the 47th most valuable outfielder per Fantasy Pros, and that's without starting every day. As long as the Rays are dealing with injuries, like Margot is out for a long time, Kiermaier's in and out. Mm-hmm. I, I love, I love Harold Ramirez as a glue guy to give you like a little bit of a batting average boost while uh, some, you know, maybe some other guys on your team are hurt. Or, uh, for example, in my AL-only league, I just I needed a fifth outfielder. Robbie Grossman has been abysmal, so I picked up Harold Ramirez to kind of patch that hole. Love it. Yeah, I
1: mean, that's the thing is, like, in your deeper leagues, sometimes, like, I know that I am very high on bats like this in general, like high average bats with, like, not a ton of upside otherwise, necessarily, like, that's fine in your really, really deep leagues. Because for me, like, I know that I'm rostering. Players Maybe like a Jorge Mateo. Sorry, I'm going to talk crap about Jorge Mateo a little bit. How dare you? I know. I know. This is specifically aimed at you. But at the same time, like Mateo's average is not very good. Like the stolen bases are fantastic, but you need to offset that somehow. And that's what players like Harold Ramirez are good for. Right.
2: A counterbalance for other players like this. Um, It's like Harold Ramirez plus Jorge Mateo gets you like Ronald Acuna. It's
3: well. I. mm. (laughs)
1: I'm. I'm gonna give you like. I'm gonna give you a complete chance here. Do you want to retract what you just said?
2: (laughs) Nope. Leave it in. Uh, this is. I said what I said. This is specifically to
1: upset Sperry and Eleven, and that's it. And Chris, and not. I'm not talking about you when I say Chris because your name is Swepsi. Just so we're clear. Anyways, these are very specific friend group jokes that I'm throwing in the podcast because. I
2: I just want to point out that the the Mateo. And, uh, Harold Ramirez duo have both more home runs and more stolen bases than Acuna. So this man is digging his own grave and I love it. Just trying to get canceled by our friends. Yes.
1: Basically. Yeah. Every single day I see it in the group chat. Um, (laughs) speaking of getting canceled, um, this is probably going to be my biggest start throw of my entire fantasy baseball analyst career i love I'm, this I, I love it so much and i want to get I, I i think i might get lambaster for this one
2: um this was simply bait because i put this name in the notes he and did I, and then i, looked I just into left it. it there
1: well i looked into it and there's a lot to like like the sample is
2: incredibly small yes absolutely but 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 I think that Jimmy
1: Yacobonis, yes, I'm talking about Jimmy Yacobonis, 0% rostered on ESPN and Yahoo is my dark horse candidate to eventually end up the closer in
2: Miami by the end of the season. I just, I just, I feel very confident that what you've done tonight is write the most words that anyone has ever written about Jimmy Yacobonis.
1: Yes, correct. Probably. And I'm genuinely thinking about writing an article about Jamie Acobonus. Like, there's nothing more on brand for like this podcast and me as a person than writing about like a 30 year old reliever who scuffled multiple times in the majors and hasn't pitched in the majors since 2020, where he pitched a whopping 2.1 innings. Just like this is very on brand for me. Um, so he's on, like, what? This is his third major league team i think now um he didn't see the majors at all in 2021 and hit like i said 2.1 innings in 2020 that doesn't really scream a potential closer right um not great on its face um but i'm really just begging you to hear me out here he yeah jimmy yakubonis is a different pitcher than he was since we last saw him at length in the majors and that was in 2019 so obviously he's only pitched 6.1 innings so far this year that is not a large enough sample to make a definitive determination about any pitcher uh there's just such a clear difference in yakubonis's repertoire and i think it's genuinely made him a very dangerous pitcher um when he last pitched in the majors in 2019 for the orioles he mostly threw his sinker and slider much like he does today uh there are two really key differences his release point on his pitches and his slider spin rate so while it's not immensely different yakobonis has dropped his arm slot a little bit which has had a huge effect on the movement profile of both of his pitches the sinker uh which has historically been like an absolutely abysmal pitch has gotten hit around the park all over the place and accrued a run value of plus 13 between 2018 and 2019 and remember positive run value is bad for pitchers it's good for hitters, bad for pitchers. Uh, that's that's a lot in only like 60 innings between those two years. Um, it's revert, returned a negative two run value in 6.1 innings so far this year. That's very, very good. That's so much for six innings. That is a lot. It's fantastic. Um, so a pitch that was like completely abysmal is now like returning positive results, which is super surprising. So his slider uh, has always been kind of a yakker. That's... Really, pun intended. Um, it's always had more movement than like league average sliders, but it has way more east to west movement now than it used to. And I'm not talking about like it, like he now has like an extra two to three inches of uh, horizontal movement on his slider. His slider moves a full foot more than it did previously from east to west. That is wild. So the best part about that, too, is that the added horizontal movement did not come at the expense of any vertical movement, and the pitch actually gained a couple inches of drop as well. So I'm not sure if this is a pitch grip change or a lot of this is like just the change in arm slot
2: on release or what it is, but I feel like that's a huge boon for his repertoire. Uh, So just for some context for the listeners, what does his what does his slider move like compared to a league average slider? Because we were looking at this before. Do you want the actual numbers? Just roughly. Okay, here, let well, it me was see like,
1: here. I can pull it up very quickly. Let me look it up real quick. Yeah, yeah we were we were
2: utilizing uh, we were utilizing some baseball savant, uh, you know, charts and graphs to kind of. Okay. Visualize. Would you like? The,
1: would you like the? Would you like the? the dis, the, the additional distance or the percent it moves
2: versus the average let's go let's go uh inches how about, like what's what's our actual physical distance
1: okay so his slider has 46.1 inches of drop which is 5.6 inches more than average and then slider for inches of horizontal break 18.8 inches of break which is 7.3 inches above average and Uh, The last time that he pitched at length in the majors, which was 2019, it only had 6.9 inches of break. So it gained, like I said, a full foot of movement east to west, which is wild. And it moves 64% more east to west than the average slider. So it is an absolute frisbee. it's, it's, It's just so cool. It makes me so makes me so happy. Um, so looking at his current stat line, obviously, like only six point one innings pitched in the majors this year. That's not a lot to make like a real determination on like how good he is going to be long term. Obviously, um, he's not also going to maintain the absolutely absurd fifty six percent strikeout rate that he has currently. He's got fourteen strikeouts in six point one innings. Just absolutely stupid like video, literally video game numbers. But it really is worth noting that his K-9 per nine in AAA this year was a career-high 13.31 over 23 and two-thirds innings. That's, like, way higher than it has ever been at any level in his entire professional baseball career. Um, it just feels like further proof that Yakubonis has unlocked something a little bit different with his repertoire. Um, so I do understand that there. are are a lot of hurdles for him to clear if he wanted to take a closer job in Miami. Obviously like Tanner Scott has been really solid in his last five outings recording three saves. Uh, Anthony Bass has a sub two ERA on the year. Anthony Bender and Dylan Floro both exist and are still like probably <laughs> more favorite options. Just in, I'm just saying they're more favorite options by oh, I know. folks. I know Um, they've not been great, but they're probably more favored than Yakimonas. Uh, But He's clearly found a new gear, and if he can maintain levels of production that he's provided between AAA and the majors this year, I really, truly think that he could sneak into the closer conversation by the end of the season. Uh, So I'm saying bookmark this one for your 15-team leagues. I'm not saying pick him up yet, uh, but I would keep a close eye on how he does over the next month or so and see if uh, Tanner Scott continues to perform or not. Because if someone scuffles, I think that there is a like a backdoor chance that uh, Yakabonis gets in there. Yep.
2: That that is how I would describe like Chase and Shreve's performance this year with the Mets. Like he exists.
1: <laughs> that was not meant to be a slight towards <laughs> either of them. It's just like they're ve- they're more in the uh, in the general consciousness of like most baseball fans, especially Marlins fans. I assume.
2: No, I I knew what you meant. Just like found the language funny. But yeah. So two, two things about Yacobonis and the Marlins. Bingo, let's go. One, it's the Marlins. Correct. They are a, a clear fourth or fifth place team in that division mm-hmm. and likely to be sellers at the trade deadline. And you know what that means. It means relievers are going to be on the move, probably. Yeah. Which, you know, has like, I guess, a 50-50 shot of either muddying the waters further for their closer situation or clearing things up for you know maybe an unheralded reliever to take over mm-hmm. like a jimmy Yakabonis, maybe uh so that's one thing to keep in mind and the other is just a little fun fact if you bring the minimum number of inning pitches innings pitched all the way down to zero i'm sorry two okay then jimmy Yakabonis leads all of baseball in uh, strikeouts per nine what is that like is it like
1: 19 point something it's it's a shade under 20 oh my god like 19.7 or something like that Ni- 19.89 yeah <laughs> so dumb he's been so good i mean the only person that he's really been touched up by in any capacity
2: what was uh pete alonso yes yes the the uh M- mr Lar- large steak man the, mr. my Lar- favorite. Uh- yeah
1: your favorite boy in the whole world yes absolutely Love
2: it. We actually, uh, Jordan and I, in, in preparing for this, we watched literally every single, uh, Yacobonis strikeout of this year. We have. Yes. And a lot of those strikeouts came in a series against the Mets. So I just got to watch him repeatedly victimize like JD Davis and Eduardo <laughs> yeah. Escobar. And there was one slider that he threw to Pete Alonso that just had Jordan grinning like an idiot. Oh, I made was I just... made an audible noise.
1: <laughs> It was, it was, I, I, I would make the noise here on
2: this podcast, but I would like to keep this show. Yeah. I think terms of service means you can't make that noise. Absolutely um, not. But yeah, Pete got him back with a dinger, but he did make him look very, very silly on a one slider that wound oh, up yeah. somewhere in the other batter's box.
1: Oh yeah. It was great. Uh, but yeah, no, I love Jimmy Yakabonis. I think that he's definitely turned into a different picture than he was previously. Um, and you know that's the thing is like if you have a league like I mean Trubzee and I are in a dynasty league together where we have like saves holds and ratios like K per nine and everything like that I would absolutely pick up Jimmy Ekebonis in a K per nine league like a hundred percent Trubzee don't you dare try to pick him up in our dynasty league (laughs) I will I will oh my god I shouldn't have said anything (laughs) oh no K per nine league you say (laughs) (laughs) curious curious
2: what leagues are what leagues am i in like that perhaps i will participate in some (laughs) some chicanery (laughs) um how how much fab do you have all all
1: (laughs) i have all my fab (laughs) don't worry about it schwabzy anyways (laughs) um all right uh i think that's it for our deep dives do you want to get to some honorable mentions here schwabzy
2: yeah, and I think we should take these pretty quickly because we, we have, it as is our way, Donald. I did, I,
1: I did the hand signal of, the, the universally known signal of wrap it up.
2: Wrap it up, guys. Um, so yeah.
1: let's start with Vinny P. I mean, this is an anticipated one for quite a few people, obviously. Uh, did Vinny P. get called up? The Twitter account was always a fantastic follow.
2: So uh, real quick, what is your preferred Vinny Pasquantino uh, nickname?
1: I li- okay, so I don't want to steal it from you. I'm not gonna say it. I like the one that you introduced
2: me to tonight. Uh Italian so, breakfast yeah, the, is
1: always a good one, obviously. Classic. This um, was uh
2: this was brought up by someone in the Pitchless Discord. I'm gonna try to find their name to uh, attribute them, but it was Pasquatch, which I I love. That is so into- perfect for a, a big beefy strapping slugger. I do that love is that absolutely one. perfect. Um I feel like I don't need to uh say much about Vinny Pasquantino. Yeah, it was it was Brick JB, one of our pitcherless community members, who has an adorable, adorable pup. Yes, Um, correct. So yeah, I mean Pasquantino has displayed a fantastic hit tool, a fantastic power tool, and and an ability to not strike out in the minors. Um, The numbers that he put up in the last like I don't know uh, eight months of minor league play have just been obscene. He's A very very good hitter Mm -hmm. there's there's always a chance that hitters fail once they hit the majors for the first time but i mean he hit his first home run of the season today it was an absolute laser beam i really like his chances to be a solid average plus power bat going forward uh yeah i i i think i I lost out on him in my ale only league because someone bid like 40 percent of their season long fab on him and i feel like that's an appropriate number like he I think he's a middle I think he's a middle of the order bat. Like I think that's uh I think that's what he does this year.
1: Yeah, he's gonna I, I feel like he's gonna rake. I mean and like you said, that, that home run that he hit, I think he made I don't know, it was probably like three feet off the ground at its highest point. <laughs> yeah, like, three. I mean, I'm just I'm not good I'm not good with math, if I'm being honest. Um but it looked like about that's- three feet off the ground, according to my three calculations.
2: Feet. Three feet metric. And then there's Derek Hall, yes, who was called up at almost the same time. uh he is a Philadelphia Philly, if you're unaware. I was unaware of Derek Hall's literal existence before he was called up. uh yeah, just sometimes those like ten to twenty range prospects you just never ever hear about them until they get called up mm-hmm. and this this is one of those situations, and Hall was a bit of a nothing prospect until the past like year 18 months or so when he had a bit of he had a power breakout in the minors and there were some rumblings on fantasy baseball twitter that some very smart analysts were like i would rather go for hall than Pasquantino just because the cost to get hall would be so much less and Mm -hmm. they they didn't think that they they you know they still thought the production would be good um he's already hit three home runs he hit two yesterday one today uh, I added him in my NL only league because I desperately need a power infusion and he's already rewarded me with that one home run today. Uh, so yeah, uh, I don't know a ton about him because he was a relatively nondescript minor leaguer, but you know, so far so good. If you need a power infusion and can't get past Montino, Derek Hall looks like a nice backup.
1: Excellent. Okay. Um, I want to quick jump down to one of the ones that I wrote about because there's not as many of them. I apologize. For See, I didn't pull my weight in this episode, but I want to quick just cut. It's it's going to be incredibly short. Miguel Rojas. Uh, Three things that I want to say about him playing time, playing time and playing time. That's l- literally the extent of it. Like he's not hitting an, an ideal lineup spot. He's like seventh or eighth right now, most days, but he's getting regular at bats because he's starting at shortstop every single day. And much like knowing Regular at bats are half the battle. G.I. Joe. Um, you li- Did you like? <laughs> did you Did you like that? That was my fun pun for the for the episode. Is that a G.I. Joe reference? Yes, it was. It, that's before your time. I know that because that's before my time. I watched G.I. Joe all the time growing up. Really? I'm actually seventy four years old. No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, I I I know. For the folks that are like in a. Give me crap about that. I I, I know that G.I. Joe wasn't on in like the fifties. It's fine. Um, but I did I did I genuinely, I genuinely did watch G.I. Joe like all the time growing up.
2: All right, we can uh, we can move through these next few pretty quickly. Uh, Jack Sawinski, uh I'm very upset about Jack Sewinski because I talked about him on the podcast. I added him in a few leagues and then dropped him when he had a week long slump, and then he went hit on another home run binge. So yay yay me point is power is legit uh but you know don't don't be scared off by the uh the slow streaks uh nico horner we have talked about him enough you guys should know what he does by now if you he has a very specific skill set if you need batting average and stolen bases nico horner should be added he's even creeping up in the batting order like we had previously hoped he's starting to hit like fifth and sixth
1: when you say specific skills, can you can you say that line? Can can we do another take of that? But can you do it in the Liam Neeson take-in voice? I just don't
2: think I can do an Irish accent. You don't think so? Really? as As, an, as a as a quarter Irish man, can I? Can I that say, is not in my skill set. Say, somehow, nothing
1: would make me happier than hearing you try an Irish accent. <laughs> I we we after <laughs> afterwards. Okay, we'll save uh, that for post pod.
2: Maybe maybe, maybe we could throw that after the outro. Um, Mm. Nick Senzel. If Nick Senzel was good, he would be Jaron Duran. Oh, that's mean. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. Uh, No, it's like The hater is coming out at the end of the episode. I I swear, that's not me being a hater. That's just Nick Senzel has not performed, unfortunately. Uh, Everyone wants him to, but he keeps getting hurt. He's been an everyday center fielder in Cincinnati for the last like 20 days or so, and in that time, he has one extra base hit. And he is not he is not doing anything elsewhere to make up for that. He, is ba- he has he's been an actual zero for fantasy purposes. Which makes me sad because he, you know, he was a very exciting prospect coming up. Hopefully he can turn it around. Great ballpark, but as of right now, I am ignoring him. All right. Uh we kinda of covered Rob Ref
1: Snyder previously too with uh talking about Enrique Hernandez and Jaron Duran. Um May like you kind of wrote here like some short term value, maybe a little bit, but like he's between Hernandez and Duran, like he's going to get pushed,
2: pushed aside. I, I, I would like, is he even going to ride the bench? Probably not long term. Well, yeah. look, while so Jaron Duran, just yep. to, to fill everybody in, did not travel with the team to Toronto because For, of, of his vaccination status. Correct. But he did tell the press that their next trip to Toronto, he would be going which is cool. Good, good for him for, uh, you know, accompanying the team. So, but w- uh, while they were in Toronto without Jaron Duran, Rob Snyder led off and played center field. Correct. Which I mean is good. I mean, that shows that they have some confidence in him because if, if he was just a placeholder with, you know, the team didn't see anything in him, they wouldn't have him hitting the lead off. You yeah. know, I mean, unless sure. maybe with, that archaic baseball thinking of keeping your lineup steady and not shaking up roles, maybe maybe that's why you would hit him lead off. But I I think that shows I, I, he's hitting like he's hitting really really well. Yeah, he's hitting over he, three hundred in the
1: past couple weeks, isn't he?
2: Yeah, with like a thousand plus OPS, he's been very, yeah. he's been legitimately good. Uh, it's just he I'm pretty sure he's the clear odd man out once everyone is mm-hmm. healthy. But as long as Kike Hernandez is hurt. And at this moment, there is no timetable for his return. I think Ref Snyder will continue to play. So yeah, like I said, just pure short term value there.
1: Okay. Uh, Who else we got here? Uh, Tyron Taylor. I mean, Tyron Taylor is Tyron Taylor. He's going to get counting stats. He's going to hit for a little bit of power here and there. The average is not going to be great. Um, but pretty regular playing time right now. Obviously after Locaine left, so definitely going to stick with that. Um. What else we got here? Oh, Austin Nola, and I kind of want to pair him with uh, Jorge Alfaro because they've both been like really serviceable, honestly. This year, they're both hitting pretty well as of late, especially. Um, And I feel like I would roster both of them in most the most of the uh, two catcher leagues that I'm in pretty happily. I don't know. This is something that I keyed in on in our preseason catcher episodes. I think between these two, both being valuable, and I think they're kind of showing that as of late. So definitely digging that
2: um oh you have you have kevin biggio here yeah um i i have seen his name pop up a few times recently whether it be home run stolen bases just looking (coughs) at box scores whatever soon tight and i uh i thought that might mean we got a little uh Cavanasance, but (laughs) that has not that's not actually the case he's still doing what he always does which is be passive to the point of being a bad baseball player which is a bummer because he has an intriguing you know little power speed combo uh with a great walk rate but uh, unfortunately he is uh, overly passive and is still still doing his same old thing which is a a bummer and i I think that makes him not an ad
1: yeah probably in the same boat i mean i saw him hit a tater against the brewers in person which was awful but i also got (laughs) to see alejandro kirk go four for four against the brewers which while it hurt was very very fun because he had like a double and a home run and just honestly like seeing alejandro kirk do his dang thing in person was very satisfying also shout out michael waterloo for coming to visit me in milwaukee i appreciate that dude that was really fun
2: i am now i'm now insanely jealous of waterloo and he doesn't know this but we're fighting
1: we had the best seats seats are you next trying to make it worse next time you come in milwaukee i'll i'll i'll, I'll splurge jensen real good seats for us again
2: can't wait but uh similarly to uh jordan's pair of catchers i've got a pair of texas rangers Leote taveras is back again and josh h smith uh i mean at this point we kind of all know the story about Leote taveras he is uh just Loaded to the brim with tools, but hasn't really been able to put it together at any point. He should get you stolen bases, regardless of how you know well or poorly he hits. I, that's that's really it. If you're desperate for an outfielder and you want some possible five category, possible five category production, I think Leody Tabaris is a nice gamble to make. And then Josh H Smith, uh, I mentioned before we were speaking with Yancey Eaton. Prior to recording, he pointed out Josh H. Smith to me. Uh, pointed out that Ezekiel Duran is no longer playing, and that Josh Smith is hitting leadoff in mm-hmm. a lot of games with a sky-high OBP and a history of stealing bases in the minors. So maybe a, an OBP league target. Maybe if you just need some stolen bases, I don't think there's much power there. But and it, you know, third base is not exactly the deepest position. So you know Josh H Smith might be a uh, might be a nice corner infield target.
1: Excellent, and then it looks like you have one more hitter that uh, one of our podcast listeners chose to go in on here. Um, how do oh, you yeah. feel about uh, Luis Renhifo?
2: Look, sometimes one of our listeners comes to us with something, and it's like, oh wow man I, I didn't notice this player was playing so well I, I'm really glad that they reached out to me and told me about this player and then sometimes uh, they tell us to look at Luis Rangifo and uh, I look at Luis Rangifo and I'm like darn it listener at shaking my fist at the sky but um, no I, I Rangifo has been good for the last couple of weeks he's hit a couple of home runs in the last week but I am not seeing much in his profile to actually make me think there's something real here yeah. He looks like he always does. Maybe a slightly better, more contacty version of what he always was, but I I'm, I'm not seeing uh, enough. I'm not seeing enough of a change to think that there's a breakout happening here. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Pretty hard
2: agree. I mean I feel I'm trying to think who this is akin to for me. Um I guess
1: like right now, like Josh Harrison's had a few like good games recently, and it's like it's it's very much the don't believe his lies thing.
2: You were in on uh, Josh Harrison at the start of the season.
1: I know I was, and now I, I now I am out. Unfortunately, I think that, that, uh, that, that
2: love that love second. story ended so quickly.
1: Yeah, uh, I was about to make a joke that was inappropriate for the podcast. I'm going to move on. <laughs> We're gonna skim past that. Uh the the do. jokes that
2: start to happen an hour oh, into recording. Oh
1: boy, God, yeah. Especially at uh three thirty in the morning for you. Oh my yeah. gosh. Well okay.
2: One one last hitter before we move on to the pitchers. Oh. Jake Jake Myers is back for the Houston Astros. Mm. He is playing frequently. He is hitting mm-hmm. in juicy spots in the batting order. Uh he hit his first home run of the year today. I'm putting in a decent bid on him in my AL only league. And I I I Am on the record on this podcast as being a pretty big fan of Jake Myers and what he did last year. I don't see why he wouldn't be a thing this year, unless you know, unless his injury, uh, you know, leaves him uh, a bit less than he was last year. Chaz McCormick was sent down to the minors and then brought back up. It looks like, but uh, I do think I, I do think that Jake Myers will continue to get the bulk of the center field plate appearances. Since coming back from the IL, it's been one, two, three, four, five, six. It's been seven games, and Jake Myers has played in every one of them in center field. Uh, I was wrong about the batting order, though. He is hitting seventh, eighth, and ninth. But yeah, it's a it's a good enough lineup that there will still be opportunities down there. Yeah, maybe maybe not maybe not ninth, because that means you're hitting behind Martin Maldonado.
1: But you're right on the wraparound for the top of the order to hit you and score you some runs. So. A little bit of a balance there. Um dig it. Okay, let's go to some pitchers. Uh, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna lo- just link these two together because you have the exact same notes written for both of them. <laughs> uh, Ronnie Garcia and Dean Kramer. Uh, you can honestly
2: the- you you can lump in Devin Smelzer here too.
1: Okay, so we'll lump Devin Smelzer in here. Uh, so what what is it? can you can you just read me off what your uh what your note notes are underneath these players. Hate it. Yeah. I mean, I know you know. That you we, know what
2: I was thinking. We have we have a bunch of pitchers listed here, and all I could think of as I'm looking at this list pitcher of pitchers, list, we huh. one one on could brand. say that one could say that. But I'm looking God. at this list of pitchers, and I'm just thinking of like the Jim Carrey Grinch, where I'm going down this list, and I'm like hate 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 loathe entirely, and just yeah. it's it's bad. Uh, for for the record, on this list of pitchers, the loathe entirely. Is Jackson Tetrault of the Washington Nationals? (laughs) Um, I almost, I almost
1: (laughs) shocking that you that you have a a deep, just loathe entirely immense hate for an NL East pitcher that is not on the Mets.
2: I know, I know, curious, crazy Crazy how that works out. Uh, I almost chose Jackson Tetrault to do a deep dive on because he's had two really good starts on uh-huh. the surface this past uh, week or so. Yeah. But he was so obnoxiously lucky mm-hmm. and I, I do not want any of our beloved listeners to fall for his lies. So I I don't I do not think uh, unless uh, you know unless the league is deep enough where like all of these guys are rostered uh I I would not add any of them.
1: Take it. okay okay. So let's quick here are there any pitchers that we have listed here because i don't want to talk about folks we don't have like super uh relevant stuff to talk about with them is there anyone here that you do like
2: uh we can wrap the episode up with sure uh one guy who uh was brought up from the minors and then sent down after his start who performed well and has performed well already this year josh winder Mm -hmm. of the minnesota twins if another rotation opening pops up for the Twins, I would absolutely be looking to add Winder. He has had a you know he's 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 looked good in his limited opportunities this year. And then Andre Pallante of the St. Louis Cardinals. The, man, the Cardinals just have that devil magic where they seem to get the most out of these underwhelming looking pitchers. Mm-hmm. And Andre Pallante has a little bit of Joe Ryan to him, where he's got a very interesting fastball. It's not uh, and it's like all he has you know joe ryan yeah. has his slider also i don't know that palante has that second pitch to lean on but i mean because of the environment and his success already he's pr- and you know that that very interesting fastball he's probably my favorite available starting pitcher in this sub 20 percent range it's it's honestly we're already at that time of year it is slim pickings
1: yeah Pretty. Rough. I mean, we talked about maybe potentially at some point expanding the uh, threshold for ourselves from like twenty five, twenty 20 to 25 uh, percent. I know we did that last year uh, later in the season. I think we put yeah, 30 percent, because like at the end of the year, we have a lot of folks who are going to like playoff matchups for certain leagues and things like that. So it's a little more acceptable because people are fighting over the scraps and the waiver wire at that point. Um, right, right. People are people are pretty, pretty much on their stuff this year, it feels like yeah. on top of
2: things. So the last two players that I want to talk about before we sign off for the night, Lou Trevino has the job back in Oakland. He's got yes, three he saves does. in a row, and people cut bait when he lost his closer job, but he's back. Uh, I don't know if Oakland is trying to beef up his trade value. I don't really, uh, uh, besides that, I don't really see the value in installing him as the closer again, but that's what they're doing. So, you know, if you need saves and Trevino is out there, go go and grab him and in interesting save developments nick martinez his usage in his, he's gotten 2 3 inning saves in a row which like never ever happens that's not a thing 3 inning saves are rare they happen in like blowouts it's not really something that pl- players do like mm-hmm. repeatedly i don't know if that means he's going to be a regular like I, I don't a long closer. Is that a thing? Can that be a thing? Maybe it's going to be a thing. I don't know. I'm saying thing too much. But Nick <laughs> Martinez had like keep an eye on that. I have him in my NL only league, and I have <laughs> I've been blessed with you know two random saves, two random three inning saves. So uh, yeah, definitely keep an eye on that. It's it's interesting.
1: We'll take him however we can get him. Honestly, at this point, yeah, take it. All right. Uh, I think that's gonna be it for this week's episode of in the deep Schwebzi and i back together again finally after a long hiatus of uh doing solo podcasts instead uh we appreciate you all listening as always thank you so much if you want to follow us on social media you can follow us at our shared podcast account at in the deep pl and you can also follow us on twitter at our individual accounts that's going to be at bun singles for myself and then at schwebzy that's s-h-w-e-b-s-i no c for schwebzy and we'll be back next week with another episode. Webz, send them out. Bye, friends.
2: I have a very specific set of skills. It's stolen bases and batting average. I have a very particular set of skills. See, this is every, every time that I do it. Skills that make a nightmare for people like... <laughs> Every time I do an impression, it's immediately, it's immediately, not just one up, that is several ups.